I'm hungover still. I've got a headache, and I've got to talk about soccer for two hours. <laughs> Open wide for some soccer! Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we try and determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keane, and today we're discussing Escape to Victory, also known as Victory, released by Paramount Pictures on July 30th, 1981, starring Sylvester Stallone, Michael Caine, Max von Sydow, Pele, Daniel Massey, and introducing Carol Loray, written by Evan Jones and Yabo Yablonski. Based on a story by Yabo Leblonsky and Jordi Milicevich. Oh boy. Jordi Milicevich and Jeff McGuire, directed by John Houston. That's a tough one. You keep getting the tough credits. I'm dodging them. Whatever. I got through it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, victory. Yeah, so this was uh, your your special reservation because you wanted this to uh, line up with the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, originally the timing was going to work out, so it was going to be like around World Cup finals, but when this gets posted, it's going to be like the first round of the World Cup. Whatever, America's not in it. Yeah. America did not qualify, so no one in the U.S. is going to care about the World Cup. Not that, I mean, generally people don't care about soccer here, but especially if the U.S. is not in the World Cup, nobody's going to be watching the World Cup here. So, And I uh, I had no idea that this movie existed <laughs> yeah. uh, until this podcast. Okay. I was vaguely aware that he did some soccer movie directed by John Huston. Um, I did not know it was a prisoner of war movie, like a World War II movie. I, I knew it was vaguely a soccer movie. That's all I knew. Is it a prisoner of war movie? I mean, it is. What do you mean? I mean, it it may be technically, but its portrayal does not does not say to me prisoner of war. Well, I mean, there it's it's a prisoner of war movie in the style of like it, you know it's directed by John Huston. He goes way back to the forties, and like he's a very like classical director. And I think even though this was released in nineteen eighty one, it really reminds me more of like fifties, sixties. I mean, it, it wants to be the Great Escape. That's, yeah, the Great Escape plus soccer. That's what this movie is. You've just taken the plot summary from me. Thank oh, you. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> it's so obvious. Yeah, but um, are you saying that it just doesn't? It feels a little too nice and uh, it, and oh, ab- luxurious. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. But you're seeing the officer's point of view. It's like, even if so, man. I mean, most movies. I have no idea what actual historical fact would have been, but most movies that show prisoner of war camps from World War II kind of show it in this way, where it's like the officers have their own little, you know, quarters, and uh, they're treated relatively well. I mean, th- I mean, there's no quite. I, I know what you're saying. This movie is very much soft-pedaling the Nazis. Extremely. So Max I t- Van Sydow, I have it in here, is the nicest Nazi yes. I've ever seen. Well... I think this movie is trying to make a distinction between Germans and Nazis. Like, I don't think he's certainly not an ideological Nazi. It doesn't seem. Oh like, no, not at all. But we don't need. We don't learn much about him other than he loves soccer and <laughs> played soccer or whatever. No, but that didn't bother me. the The, the way that a, a prisoner of war camp is depicted, it's pretty consistent with other movies of this style. Okay, you know, like like The Great Escape because I think it's similar in Great Escape. Where it's like they've got all they've got everything they need. If it got you know. <laughs> Uh, but I, I don't know if that's untrue. 
I mean, the, the movie makes it clear that other in other parts of the world and other ethnicities are treated very differently. It does right? acknowledge so, that, but so I think I think there's an inherent kind of it's showing an implicit racism of the Nazis to say. Oh, you know, basically the white POWs, although with with one exception in Pele, but still, like the 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 Western European front, those prisoners are treated completely differently than the Eastern front. Yeah, it's true, but so I, I don't that doesn't bother me. It didn't bother me to the point where you know I I didn't want to watch the movie. It just I it felt pretty glossy, but yeah, well, that's kind of what I mean. But it feels like a fifties sixties movie. It's it's very stately and very formal. And it just has no life to it, you know. It's just kind of it's it's well made, and I I like the movie. I thought it was a pretty good movie, but it's the kind of thing where it's just so lifeless that it's just I'll never, uh, you know. After we stop recording this episode, I'll never think about this movie again. Uh, that that's a great way to sum it up. It's probably the same thing for me. I did not like it the way you did, but it, it's the same thing. After I got done watching it, I'm like we're gonna talk about this, and it will probably be the last time I ever think about this. Well, but it's like. What, have you, you seen The Great Escape? Yeah, it's been a long time, but yes. And what's your opinion of Great Escape? Eh, I kind of feel like it's overrated. I feel the same way. See, I, we talked about... I have like certain types of movies that just are not my cup of tea. We talked about like post-60s, like you know, early 70s. Yeah, you don't like of, the 70s at all. I, there's stuff in the 70s I like. I know you don't. I don't really. Not at all. Uh-huh. I, I like some plenty of 70s movies. I just don't like the style of movie where it's just like... There's no plot. It's just... Stuff happens. Stuff happens, yeah. That's the top of my list of just like kinds of movies I don't like. That's number one. Okay. Somewhere down three or four or five on this list are mid 50s to mid 60s epics like Ben Hur and Spartacus. Spartacus. Spartacus yeah. is okay. I mean, Kubrick comes through yeah. to, to a certain, but even Kubrick is kind of being tamped down. Like that movie is, I think, just as like those movies have no soul to them. You know, I feel like the same way about Great Escape. Like even like the sound of music, it's just like I, there's, it's so formal and it's so kind of you know rigidly constructed that it's a very particular style that doesn't exist prior to the fifties. Like I love movies from the thirties and forties. Like I'll watch Casablanca over and over until I die. I, you know, <laughs> the, that period of movies I love. It's like from the mid fifties, and this feels like, it feels out of time. It feels like it came from twenty years prior. Yeah, I was surprised, uh, and not um, not just because of the, the the World War II setting. It doesn't feel like a 1981 movie. No. I mean, when you think of stuff, and and even on the list when I get to it in the history, but just think of like some of the movies in the 80s, right? I I you know I'm thinking Ghostbusters, Animal House, even like Tootsie and stuff like that. Right. Like, this yeah. just does not. I if you t- asked me to watch it and not know what year it came out, there's no way I would have guessed the early 80s. Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in 1981. Yep. Think about the first Indiana Jones. You don't, you're not a big fan of Indiana Jones, but still. like I don't dislike about, it. I'm just not the fan you are. Think about how alive oh. that movie feels, yeah. and think about how dead this movie feels. Yeah. It's, just, it's this formalism that I, it really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. We've talked about the POW aspect of it. You want to talk about the soccer aspect of it? Yeah, so I was a little bit more interested in that because my son uh, plays soccer. I mean, he's second grade, so I, it's I, not high-level soccer, but he's like actually tried out for the travel team for next year. So he, oh, what position I mean, does he play? Uh, at that at that age, they they move him around and rotate him around. Okay. Um, but you know, he <laughs> it probably doesn't matter. It's like you're the you're the defenseman. It's just like he's just going to run after the ball. Probably. No, that's the thing is that even by second grade, I mean they're start to taught that all right. This is where you need to be. Okay. your position where you need to be in the like make the shape and where you need your portion of the field. I, for my son, he you know he still is sometimes doesn't remember where he's supposed to be. 
Um, but so I, I think if you had asked me, or we had done this definitely 10 years ago, but even five years ago, before he was playing, I would have dreaded everything about this. Okay. Because I would have had no interest in soccer, and then the, the POW thing would have bothered me. I did enjoy watching the soccer because of watching my son play. Oh, good. So I did enjoy that aspect. So that's good because I am the stereotypical ignorant American when it comes to soccer. I don't know anything about soccer, even like the positions. And I played soccer as a kid. You know, uh, we've talked off the air about how, like, in America – Soccer is sort of a thing that kids play and that it's not really – most kids don't kind of continue to play it past age 12 or so. 13. Yeah, it depends on – Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's some, some – I think there's a perception outside of the U.S. that absolutely nobody cares about soccer. I don't, that's not true. I mean, soccer has its fans, and yeah. there, are, there are definitely people who play soccer into adulthood. But it's just not – you know, it's the fifth or sixth most popular sport probably in, in the U.S. Yeah, and I mean, just based on the pro sports leagues too. I mean, right. it certainly has grown and improved in terms of interest in, in America, uh, I'd say, during the last 15 years, but definitely the last 10. But it's still it, – it's, it's not in the top four. It's not like it is in the rest of the world. No, and it's nowhere near like it is in the rest of the world. And, but, see, I'm glad you at least have some knowledge and appreciation for soccer because I – and I'm not claiming to be front. an expert, by the way. No, 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 no. But at least someone who appreciates it because, you know, again, I played it as a kid. I stopped playing. I stopped paying attention to it. I stopped caring about soccer. I don't want to be the ignorant American on this episode <laughs> here of just like soccer, you know, stupid. You know, I don't want to be that guy. I just need to get one thing out of the way up front. Well, okay. two, two things. Number one, we're Americans. We're going to call it soccer. So yep. for folks listening overseas, sorry, we're not going to call it football. We're going to call it soccer. Yep. That's just the way it is. We're Americans. No, but the, the thing I want to get up front, and this is, I will, I will just give myself one minute of being the ugly American. Okay, okay? T- I'll start timing <laughs> okay, right now. Okay, fine. The biggest complaint about soccer by most Americans are the ties. This movie ends in a tie. How what pe- are they doing? Are they trying to market this movie to Americans? They end the thing in a tie. Okay. I am going. I know I'm jumping to the end, but I just, are, again, I just want to get the ugly American up front, get no, out of the way. Okay, and what's funny is that I, I'm, maybe I'm not an American. I love the fact that it ends in a tie. Oh, okay, we'll we'll have this conversation. We can later. Ha- we can hash it out later. But <laughs> okay, so I you I understand your point. If they're trying to market it to a U.S. audience, then yes, that, I mean that, that's why Stallone's in this movie is they're trying to. Oh yeah, you know, let's get an American in there. Yes. But the the rest of the cast makeup is very European, so I think it was trying to appeal. To, to both sides of the Atlantic. But it's an American production. Like yeah. Paramount Pictures made it. John Houston's American. He directed it. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure you know, it was obviously released in the United States, and I'm sure they were trying. I guarantee that's why Stallone's in this movie, is because yeah. they, they didn't want it to be a purely European cast. No, and actually, when I get to the, the box office, the international box office was pretty good for this movie. Okay, let's get to it. All right. What day is it? What year? So it is uh, just the very end of July in 1981, as uh, as noted. So this movie had... I, I was surprised by this. What do you... Just ballpark, what do you think the budget was on this movie? I saw it on Wikipedia, but then I forgot. It right. was like $16 million or something? Oh, at least what I had from IMDb, it was $10 million, which to me, I'm like, I know that the the camp itself, it, they, they built, that was a set, so yeah. I oh. can kind of see that, but at the same time, I'm like, $10 million doesn't, in 1981 dollars, that felt high to me. There's a lot of extras in that POW camp. That's true. And, uh, you know, they had a big stadium. I don't know how much of that footage they stole from some other sporting events, Yeah, but there's, I mean, those stands are full, and it seemed like they actually filled them. 
Like, I'll bet they just went out before a real game and went like, okay, we're filming a movie. Everyone cheer. Yay. Okay, yeah. thank you. Goodbye. You know, so, but I mean, there's production value. It looks like a big, glossy movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't look cheap, but it didn't, I didn't feel like I got $10 million is, I guess, where I was surprised. Oh, I thought it was a, I, th- I thought it looked great. All right. Um, so total, total gross receipts for the movie were uh, about $27.5 million. Uh, 10.8 of that was in the U.S., so 16.6. Far, I know that foreign box office, there's more markets, but back in 1981, there weren't nearly as many foreign markets for you to release it in, so this must have done really well in Western Europe. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's probably not typical for, for 1981 no, for a, an American movie to make more overseas than in the yeah. U.S. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then getting to what do you <laughs> the number one movie in America... The week it was released is got to be one of your all-time favorite movies. Is it Raiders of the Lost Ark? Raiders of the Lost Ark is number two. The re-release of Star Wars, The Empire oh, Strikes Back. I would have never guessed that. Neither did I. And I, had, I wanted to check to make sure. I'm like, is this actually true? And I didn't know this. You might have known it. They did re-release in the summer of 1981. They re-released uh, Empire Strikes Back. I, really, I didn't know that, really. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that happened more often back then, but yeah. I didn't know that for and, a fact. I mean, it... For a movie that had been out a year prior, it made $7 million, so it did pretty well. They re-released Empire Strikes Back to compete with Raiders of the Lost Ark? Like two LucasArts movie, or Lucasfilm movies, uh, but like one, just poaching it, its, its own uh, box one, office. Yeah, but one is 20th Century Fox, the other is Paramount, so... That's true, but they're, Fox, both, they're both Lucas films. They are, but Fox probably said, "I don't care. I'm putting this moment. I'm putting yeah, it back out." You're probably right. It probably was Fox's decision. <laughs> Take that, Paramount. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the number two movie was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Superman two was in the top four. Oh, I love Superman two. Uh, That's excuse- another movie that has like life to it. So, again, it does. Sorry, oh, I now I want to do an episode on Superman two. Uh, that was a, before Zod. That, that was number <laughs> number five, and so Victory was actually the sixth. Highest grossing movie that that week in its opening weekend. That's some stiff competition, though. You don't think of 81 as like one of the great years for movies, but Superman 2, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Empire Strikes Back, re-release. And like, so I'll give you the, tough. the other top five are Tarzan the Ape Man, which I don't know, no. uh, and then Stripes. So actually, that, that actually is a really tough lineup that it's opening against. I, I gotta say, I don't, I don't want to derail, but I watched Stripes relatively recently, like within two or three years. Does not hold up. Really? Oh boy, oh boy. It's been a long time for me, so yeah, I still boy. have fond memories. Let it let it live in your memories. Okay. Don't watch it. Uh, so I just I wanted to quickly I had the weekly data, um, but the highest grossing films of eighty one, because I don't know if we have any other eighty one movies. Raiders of Lost Ark, of course, was was number one and it was a runaway smash. Two hundred and twelve million dollars in nineteen eighty one. Because Rocky three no, Rocky three comes out in eighty two. Yeah, this might be his only movie from 81. Yeah, so number two on Golden Pond. Oh, no, sorry, the first Rambo. First Blood comes out in 81. Well, maybe I shouldn't be covering it. Uh, Number two was on Golden Pond. Number three was Superman 2. Okay. Four, a movie that I I remember seeing a bunch as a kid, and I don't know why, Arthur, with... um, Yeah, I forget his name. It's going to kill me. (laughs) It's it's Arthur. That's all. That's, That's... Yes. Uh, and then number five was uh, Stripes. That was your top five. Okay. A Bond movie, For Your Eyes Only, was uh, released that year. That's that a was good number one. six. That's that a is. That's one, of, that's one that I like a lot that I think is underrated. It's the one where Bond kicks that car off a cliff. Yes. One of my favorite moments of all Bond movies. <laughs> kicks a car off a cliff. Dudley Moore, by the way, is yes, Arthur. Dudley it, Moore. It, it did come to me. All right, so TV, the number one show in America. MASH? Dallas. Oh, Dallas. Oh. Uh, All right. With a share of 28.4. Uh, nothing really surprising on here. Six, actually, 60 Minutes being number two is actually pretty surprising to me. I would have thought scripted television would have 
been higher than 60 minutes. MASH actually was number nine, so kind of far down. A couple of shows I didn't, I didn't know. I was glad to see The Dukes of Hazard. That was a, kid, a show I loved as a kid. Sure, me too. I will freely admit it's terrible, but I loved that show as a kid. I think it's one of those shows that knows it's terrible and is kind of kitschy and campy. I, it's yeah. like the '60s Batman. I'm just like it knows what it is. Yeah. it's playing up to it. Yeah, I, I don't think it definitely didn't take itself seriously. No <laughs> doubt about that. No. Uh, but nothing, nothing else really jumps out. The Jeffersons was still hanging around in the top three, and Three's Company actually was number four. So and uh. a couple other shows I don't, I don't recognize. Like too close for. Comfort. I wonder if that was a Roper year or a Furley year. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I'm curious to know. All right, so what you really care about to know what the S&P 500 was at, it was at 129.6. Okay. Uh, some other history that was going on. I just was surprised how there were so many, so I didn't put the dates down, but there were nuclear tests in France, the USSR, India, and the United States all this month. I may have cut out your prior nuclear test reporting <laughs> because it was just like, why, why is that something that you're fixated on when you're doing this segment? I don't know, but... I, I feel like that's the most mundane thing. I'm just like, sure, nuclear tests, they happened all the time. I guess, but to me, because... I don't know. I don't even. Do, do you even think about nuclear weapons? I mean, they were so uh, prominent for so long, and I know that they're still a threat, but I don't even like think about it. I thought about them quite a bit about th- two or three months ago. Uh, Touche. <laughs> well, not four months ago when this comes out. Touche. Okay, so July 7th of this year, Sandra Day O'Connor is nominated for the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. I learned that the first woman is ordered to pay alimony on July 11th. Neva or Neva, I'm not sure, Rockefeller, is ordered to pay alimony to her husband. Wow. <laughs> Which one of those two things is more more is, is uh, more of an advancement for women? I'm <laughs> Sandra Day O'Connor? Or, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, just progress or a setback for women uh, <laughs> paying alimony. Maybe, maybe a bit of both. Yeah, a little both. One of column A, column B. This was one of those that I, I read about. I just, it was shocking to me. On July 17th, a couple of lobby walkways at the Kansas City Hyatt Regency collapsed, killing 144 people and injuring 200. Whoa. Yeah. I, I mean, it's one of those things that if I hadn't looked this up, I never would have known about it. But I can't imagine, like, how big of news that was Yeah, but uh, at the time. On July 30th, so I skipped uh, pretty far forward then. There wasn't a lot that I found. But on July 30th, the second Major League Baseball strike ended when it was 42 total days. And um, I remember that on our Rocky episode is actually when the history, which is not that long ago in terms of our recording, is when the uh, the union was recognized, collective bargaining was recognized, and they got free agency, the ability to strike. So there had been two strikes between 76 and in 1981, so the the players were exerting their their newfound I'm sure. rights. I'm sure it was just the just the fact that they could strike just created the volatility. Like, well, it took a while to settle into an equilibrium there. Uh, and the Belgian Senate on July 30th uh, accepted laws against racism. I'm like, all right, the way, see, to, way to go, Belgian Senate. Well, it, it seemed again I, just the world that we live in. Some of the stuff when I read of it, it's like how how was that not accomplished well before then? What does that mean, though? Legislation against racism. Like, that could mean anything. All right. So then I, the New York Times bestseller, man, every time I look these up, it's, I barely ever know any of these. I feel like maybe it's time to drop. No, uh, I'm not. From, from the segment. Consistency. <laughs> Noble House by James Clavell, because some of our listeners. You, might, can, you can be as consistent as you want. I'm the one deciding what gets cut out of the episode. I don't, I don't cut much, but, you know, that, I feel like at least once the bestseller got cut out. It's like, well, leave me alone. This is just wasting time. The Billboard 100, can you guess what it is? Don't, I'd, stop making me guess. 81, 
Is that like Michael Jackson off the wall? Maybe Rick Springfield. Oh, oh, is it Je- Jesse's girl? It is Jesse's girl. Okay. To which I love I, that song. I do, especially when there's people throwing firecrackers. I was say when there's firecrackers yeah. in the background. Ah, uh, Alfred Molina. One yeah. of my favorite roles of all time. It's it's one of those songs where you you can't help but think of a particular oh, movie. Absolutely. You know. Uh, and so with that, I gave myself a little bit. I wanted to expand out to. August 1st of this year, because of the Billboard 100, MTV debuted August 1st of 1981. Oh, okay. So that's what was going on in the world. Okay, that's exciting. All right. All right, let's move on to uh, big picture. (laughs) What are you laughing at? I have have no comment about MTV? No, the the big picture that we... You basically stole my thunder, but let's get to it. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. I mean, I'm... we're going to say up front what we thought of the movie it's before true, we start actually true. talking about the plot. So but it definitely funny. is The Great Escape, and we're going to put soccer into it. Yeah, it replaced the tunnels with soccer, essentially. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, how would you... It's a POW camp in World War II yeah. in Western Europe. A German officer played by Max von Sydow as von Steiner. Yes. He's a big soccer fan. He used to play for the, played, Ger- yes. he used to play for the German national team. He meets uh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine as uh, what's his character's name? Colby. Yes. And just like, oh, you guys are playing soccer. Huh? We should schedule we a should friendly match. Have a friendly match. Right. As I said, he's the friendliest, nicest Nazi ever. Yeah. Is is it? I mean, I, I don't know if you even want, do you want to get into the ethical debate of just like is this movie is depicting Max von Sydow's character as like you said he's just he's a just a nice guy. Yep. And he's also a Nazi, and it's like. Realistically, I'm sure people like that existed. I was going to say, but on the law of averages, there had to be apolitical people that weren't going to try and undermine the system and just went along, you know, got along to go along. Right. But that didn't necessarily change them. But at the same time, he is an officer in. Right. You don't want to let you don't want to let him off the hook, right? Because yeah, obviously, just he's complicit in the Nazi regime. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things. I mean, I think. It certainly re- isn't a political movie, right? I mean, I don't... Right. It, it, it's not. It really... I think it's more of a movie about soccer, and for whatever reason they chose to have it, the, the setup that it's mixed in with The Great Escape, I, I don't understand. Well, maybe when we get to the technology segment, we can talk about some alternatives or, like, what what would be some other ways to do this, yeah. you know? Right. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I thought Max von Sydow, he's great in this movie. I liked his character. Yeah, I liked him. But anyway, yeah, he... he and Michael Caine agree, like, let's just have a friendly soccer match with the local army base or whatever. And then it kind of snowballs. It turns to, into a propaganda machine. Yeah, the propaganda pe- people in the Nazi party get a hold of it and say, oh, we, this is an opportunity for us. And suddenly it's all of the best soccer players <laughs> from all the POW camps yes. versus basically the German national team. And they play in a big stadium in Paris. And But within that backdrop, the entire time Stallone... Hatch, right. I think, right? Uh, yes, Hatch. Hatch. Wants to... I, I, I can remember his name because he's always trying to escape. So I was like, oh, escape Hatch. Yeah. And I'm thinking of Lost. Oh, oh, yeah. w- what's down there? No, it's, it's just Desmond. He's just, <laughs> yeah. he's just uh, on a treadmill right now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the backdrop of that for him is he just wants to escape. So Stallone brings the great escape portion. The American brings that. The Europeans all bring the soccer. You mash it up and somehow you get them escaping which the way they ultimately escape i just rolled my eyes i agree yeah i want to talk about that also but uh i mean it's not just alone trying to escape because there's the the british commanders like the colonel and his yeah like, they have a whole committee com- they have a whole committee which i'm like what you yeah. have a com- escape yeah. committee the escape committee 
But I, I do think I've seen other movies where it's like this, where it's like, okay, I have this idea for to escape. I got to run it by my superiors. Like we're still in the army. We still have a chain of command. We have to report to. I even guess if we're just prisoners. The, the, the idea of a committee. I'm not sure. It just <laughs> it is funny. The committee is talking about all the various escape attempts. It's like so and so has a plan to pull vault the south. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just laughing at this poor guy. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Stallone's trying to escape. Right. He successfully escapes. Yes. But the colonel, the British colonel asks him, make contact with the French resistance. Yep. To help the soccer team escape when they play the big match in Paris. Right. In the stadium. So essentially that's the, the plan is they're going to play this soccer match. And they're also going to they have a plan to escape. The French resistance is going to help them escape. Help the, the team escape to both for... Those individual players, but more importantly, to undermine the the Nazi regime and, and embarrass them. Yeah, but I guess in the end, the whole point is winning or tying the the match. Is uh, I'm not going to make any comment. They have this at least moral victory over the the German national team. They've shown that they you know can will stand up to the Germans or whatever. And I guess that's saying that that's more important than them escaping. But then they escape anyway. Like, yeah, they get their cake and they can eat it, too. Can we talk about this now? Because it's like, I mean, you just don't like the way they escape or you don't like the fact that they escaped at all? I would say both, but in particular, the way they escaped. It's this huge, elaborate you know, plan. It's like, well, what was the point? Couldn't, could, couldn't they have just planned to get enough people to just rush the, rush the field anyway? But I think they couldn't have known that they were going to inspire the French people to, <laughs> to resist the Nazis, you know, right? Because that's like... You mean the way Rocky... It uh, motivates gotta, the. Po- <laughs> are we going to bring up Rocky Four in every episode? How can we not? <laughs> yes, exactly like that. No, but it's, it's the French. Like you know, obviously it's German occupied territory, but still, like the point is, the Nazis are occupying France, and so the French have this like pent up sure animosity towards the, the Germans. The, certainly aren't welcome in in the state, right? That's for sure. But you know, here's an opportunity to inspire the French people. And, you know, because they showed such bravery on the pitch, they couldn't have planned that happening. It's just like it's no. spontaneously everyone yeah. rushed the field. I know. I, I just they have this huge elaborate plan and it's just all laid to waste by the end. And that annoyed me. And then the same thing is that really, uh, to me, the, the escape was second. To me, this was a soccer movie anyway. Right. So uh, the, the whole escape is undermined by the way that they escape. And really, the victory is not the escape, but the victory is, I know you don't like it, but the tie, but, you know, basically showing up the German team, despite the fact that the ref has been jamming the POW team the whole game. I was being half facetious when I was talking about the tie, not liking the tie. I mean, I don't like the tie, but I think you could make that work in the same way that Rocky works. Of like, he lost the match, but he won his self-respect. Right. He has a victory. I, I would be fine with the tie if they had some sort of victory other than just escaping. Like, they could have done that without... You know, at halftime, they could have just left, and that would have been that. And so, so like, them so, escaping as a reward, it's like it doesn't really mean anything because they could have escaped anyway. The reason I like the tie is that I like the fact that it's not as cliche that they won the game, but they still, like, Rocky comes away with accomplishing in Rocky 1 what he wanted to. He yeah. went the distance. So it was a victory for him, despite the fact the scorecard says it was a loss. This, I like that it's not the cliche it, well, it's a little cliche because they have Stallone, the star, making the save, of course. Right. But outside of that, it wasn't for a, an outright win. It was for a tie. And based on the way that the, the game was stacked up against them, that was a win to me. So Yeah, and they I, had a goal retracted yeah. or whatever. Yeah, so I guess if you count that goal. They won. That the refs took away. Yeah, yeah. I, guess that, yeah I, I, I can understand where you're coming from. 
I think to me it's just I it bothers me more that they escaped. I don't necessarily think it's that bothersome, at least to me, that of the way that they escaped. Because it's like when they reach that moment where it's halftime, we can just get out of here. Here's a French resistance <laughs> drilling a hole in the floor. Yes. That, like, that, that was a cool that, moment. That nice looking hot tub or yeah, whatever it was. I also had questions about that tub. It was one of the uh, questions. Was, like, okay. Is this a thing in Europe? It's, just like, it's like a sauna or something. I, I didn't I, know what it was. Yeah, it seems like an old-fashioned thing. Um, I mean, it makes sense. It's the 1940s. But our 30s? I'm not even sure what year. This might be like late, like 39 or something. No. I don't know what year. No, because if the Americans are in, no, this is in the 40s. No, but they bend over backwards to explain why there's one American. This is definitely set before D-Day because there's no Americans on European soil. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was stationed with a Canadian. He was transferred (laughs) to a Canadian something, something. They really tie themselves into pretzels to be like, (laughs) why is Stallone here? We have to to justify it. (laughs) I mean, really, they do. He's a, he right. was a Canadian. He somehow something. was tied in with the Canadians, which I just, I laughed at that. Yeah, because I was confused. I thought he was Canadian. I thought they were saying that he was Canadian. But it's like, no, he's American. Because they kept calling him Yank. I'm like, wait, is he, is he Canadian yeah. or is he American? Did, are, are Canadians also called Yanks? Is it just like a Western Hemisphere? Or like a, no, it is definitely only yeah, American. it's only American. So yeah. I, I thought for a while he, they were saying he was Canadian, but no. He was an American stationed with a Canadian force in Europe who was captured. <laughs> they really had to make you know, But whatever, I, I'll buy it. Um, but why are we talking about this? What we, what? Uh, in terms of you didn't know what year that it was specifically set. Oh, I don't remember what my point was. I don't know where, what I was driving at. But to get back to the original point, I, just, I, I feel like the moment, they have that moment in the tunnels where it's like, let's get out of here. And then the team's like, no, we can win this. We can win this. And I feel like the choice, the movie doesn't lay out the, the this or that of it. You know what I mean? Like, it should be either we escape with our lives, you know, and kind of selfishly we get away. Right. But Or we play for the resistance. You know, we play for Europe. Right. Yeah, if we escape, the Nazis will, you know, it's, it's a basically a propaganda win for the Nazis. It's like they right. couldn't even finish. You know, like, I'm sure the Nazis wouldn't have... They had to run away. They wouldn't have admitted they escaped. It was just like, you know, like, oh, they refused to come out. Like, yeah. what a bunch of cowards. They were getting beat so badly that yeah. they wouldn't come back out and play. Right, and that, that's what the calculus should have been. I'm just like, we can leave, but we're really letting down the French people. Or we can go out there and inspire them. But if that's the case, there should be a cost. It's like, again, right. I, I, I feel like this... I'm saying this all the time. I'm just like, I feel like I want my movie characters, when they do something good for there to be a price i forget what other episode we were talking about this and i was saying it was just it's the catholic in me of like you know (laughs) it's just the way i think but it's like for them being rewarded it's like no i think they should be making the sacrifice because you know it's a war movie it should be about sacrifice to one extent it's just like we're sacrificing our freedom but in exchange we're inspiring the french people you know and i don't know how you ended that way maybe the french people just kind of chased the nazis like just like you know shaking their fists or something i don't know but that should be the, the thing i'm just like well we decided not to escape because that's that's what they do it's like we're gonna go we're gonna finish the match and then we'll go back to the pow well, yeah that, that's how it was supposed to play out right but then they end up escaping anyway i just feel like it because it, the, they're swept up in the crowd it it, it undermines that sacrifice that they're making you know and it, right. it never even really lays out that sacrifice it's just like we can win this it's just like wait the movie isn't even really acknowledging that they're making the choice to go back to the pow camp i mean when you think about it it's like yeah they're gonna finish the match and they're missing their chance to escape theoretically I don't know why they couldn't just go into the locker room and escape after the match. Well, that's the, that was one of the questions yeah, I had. It's also one of my questions. So, <laughs> we can talk about that later, I guess. But it's, right. like, you know, it's one of those things where I just I don't think it was a smart idea to have the team escape at the end. 
I'm not going to disagree with you. I don't like anything about it, including I think it's really cheap. The ultimate way they escape. I would rather them just say, oh, all right, well, the hole's still here. We'll just go and try and figure our way out. <laughs> I mean, that would be anticlimactic. Um, also, just like the crowd has clothes for them. They're just like, hey, put this on. They're just yeah. like dressing them. It's like, do these people bring extra clothes or just they're just giving them the clothes off their backs? Literally the shirt off their back. And also just like, okay, well, we're going to have you blend in. It's like, well, that's great for everybody except Pele. I- <laughs> Pele is king of soccer field. <laughs> you be king of your kitchen <laughs> by using Crestfield wax paper. Uh, I will never forget that for the rest of my life. Poor Pele. I'm sure every other part of the world. Oh, absolutely. Like he's known as the greatest soccer player ever, yeah. and in America, he's just known for <laughs> being made fun of on The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Basically, I, he was on commercials here. Even once yeah, I, I think that's what that was parodying is some of those commercials. Right. What I think that they were. So it's like Americans mostly knew Pele as a pitch man and like not even familiar with his soccer career. Yeah. So anyway. All right. So I think uh, I think that covers the plot. So time for technology. Let's do it. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? So this one was tough for me because being a historical setting yeah I, I wasn't sure what i should really come up with it's a world war ii movie so yeah like, so how do you how do you do a world war ii movie in the present day you don't you, you can't really take it outside of it so i didn't get too much other than i said that it there had to have been it technology today for the propaganda machine when when the crowd is really excited for the german national team there has got to be a better way to fake fake crowd noise <laughs> than what that guy turns up uh, it's not too different than what we do today. I, I guess not, but I mean, I, it's not too different than what we do on our show because we've got this soundboard here. I have you know. spoken. <laughs> Listen to that Zeus. <laughs> Listen to that thunder. You know, it's, it's a soundboard. It's like technology. That kind of technology hasn't changed in seventy years. For the most part, all I could think of is that. That portion of the movie made me smile because it made me think of Major League. And hey, so I'm a little bit of trouble here, but hey, listen to these guys. Listen to the crowd get up. Hey, way to go, Rick. They don't have a soundboard. They just yell into the they microphone themselves. themselves. Yes. I, was, was that moment in, in this movie, is it, was that supposed to be funny? Because it's really I, funny. I, th- I think it was supposed to be. Okay. I, I think tell. it was a lighthearted. Again, because I don't think that the tone of this movie is what I would expect from a POW movie. There wasn't a ton of comedy, but that, I think, was supposed to be funny. Well, I was going to say, I didn't. it wasn't lighthearted, really. I mean, I get what you're saying. Like You would expect it to be even more... Yeah, dour. Yeah, but it's the same, at the same time, but yeah, there wasn't much comedy. So no. it seems so out of place that, like, listen to the crowd roar for the Germans. <laughs> Click. And, <laughs> and Click. just how British that announcer is, too. Yeah. I mean, that guy is as british as can be I, he, he so reminded me of charles gray if you remember him from, no. from the older bond movies he's also in uh, um it's just a jump to the left what's that movie oh god uh rocky horror picture show oh um, i don't know that that well but no he, he played blofeld in diamonds are forever okay um All can, right. you, can you yeah, picture yeah him? i can picture him now that's charles gray he's like he's he's very proper and british and i was like and this guy kind of looked like him it's like oh, that's charles gray because I, I wondered, like, maybe just he's aged and looks a little different. But it turns yeah. out it wasn't him. But, yeah, that kind of very, very proper and posh kind of British actor. Yeah. Like, yeah. Calling his soccer. I, I always enjoy guys like that. I mean, it's weird. I, I, I wanted to know his story. Because, I mean, it seems pretty clear that announcer is British. Like, oh, absolutely. That's not a learned accent. Like, that guy no. is obviously very British, and he's 
he's doing propaganda for the for Nazis. The Nazis yeah. So it's like, what's his deal? How, what, how did know. he end up doing that? I mean, I had some other things in terms of the surveillance at the POW camp, but you know, again, being in a, a historical film, I don't, I don't think it applies. Well, it sounds like you. You would have preferred for this to not have the POW element at all. So oh, like maybe no, just all. in this segment, just like what what is the movie? Even if it's World War Two, so like you can't do it of just like oh we we decided to stop fighting. You know, we, we shut down <laughs> the front. We're for, laying down our weapons because for a soccer match. I mean, I guess I mean that that did happen in World War One. Yeah. So, I mean, you could just make that movie and just like do do the actual story of the Christmas soccer match. Yeah, I just. World I, War I, I, to, to me, that seems more plausible. The escape seems to be completely secondary and bolted and tacked on the entire movie. So to me, I enjoyed the soccer aspect, but I'm just I'm not sure why it had to take place during World War II at all. Well, I mean, in theory, it's loosely based on a real story, but I did a little bit of research into it, and it's like it's so different. It's been so Hollywoodized. Or I don't know, Hollywoodized is, is right because it's mostly a European cast, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, the story had changed so much that it bears basically no resemblance to the real events. The real events were it did happen somewhere in Eastern Europe, I think Bulgaria. Okay, which I think is maybe why they had the subplot of we we need to get the Eastern, Eastern European, yeah, East, Eastern European players. Yeah, so I think maybe just as a nod to the real story, that's part of the reason why that's there. But you know. I think that's why it's World War Two is because it's based on something that actually happened during World War Two. But I don't. I I guess I just I feel like the thought was is we can't sell a soccer sports movie. I mean, you've got lots of sports movies in the eighties itself. So we can do golf. We can do hockey. We obviously baseball. Mm-hmm. We can do all the the longest yard. We can do football. I mean, to be honest, it, again, I mean, you do the longest yard. It's not about escape, right? It's about playing up against the guards and having having a, a reason to let out your aggression, you could have done the same thing here. There didn't need to be anything about the escape. Yeah, I mostly agree with that. I, I liked the I liked Stallone's character and his escape attempts and all that. I mean, it did feel kind of divorced from the rest of the movie for most right. of it. I, I don't know. It would have been better if they had tied those two sides of the story together a little more. Because all it is, it's like... Stallone's trying to escape, and then he's constantly stymied, which is like, this soccer game keeps messing me up. Yeah, yeah keep, keep pulling me back in. <laughs> right. Because he's going to, like, escape to to Switzerland, and it's yeah. like, no, we need you to help the soccer team escape. He's like, stupid soccer, I'm tired of it. Although I, I, I enjoyed when he was the trainer, and he has, you know, he's... <laughs> He's ingratiating himself in with the team. I like Stallone in this Probably movie. Probably the my my the other funny part was his constant attempts when Kane I know this isn't technology, but just while I'm thinking of it, when Kane's making the selections and he just keeps trying to insert himself onto the team and Kane keeps shooting him <laughs> right. down. Those were the other comedy moments that did make me when laugh. When he's like, What's your name? He's like, you know my name. It's like he was not even talking to him. He's like, No, you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You get out of here. No, I, Stallone, I think he's bringing most of the comedy. And oh, doing, doing a, a good job. Yeah. I, I definitely have poked fun at Stallone's comedic ability in the past. Un- unfairly so, because I think he is he's basically the comic relief in this movie and and doing a good job of it. For yeah, for the most part. Did you does, did you have any ideas on technology? My guess is no. No, I there's it's tough with a World War II movie. I mean, I, I on the topic of whether or not this should have been a POW movie or not, like I I I liked the push and pull of you know, just the fact that you've got Hatch, who is constantly trying to escape, does not care about the soccer match at all, is really just kind of using it for his own ends. Of course, the American doesn't care. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, he doesn't play soccer. Right. They make it clear. Like, there's the scene where he tackles somebody. tackles a guy, and Michael Caine's just like, I'm tired of your American style. It's like, American style meaning what? Meaning 
he's just playing football, like yeah. NFL football. And, yes. Or is he? Is, or is he saying that this is how Americans played soccer? No, in the he's say, he was talking about American football, where it's, he's just out tackling somebody like Dick Buckus. I, yeah, I thought so, but the way Michael Caine said that, I, you can't play your American style here. It's like it's a totally different sport. It's like what a weird way to phrase yes. that. Um, no, but I, I like the fact that uh, Colby is like. They're total polar opposites. All Colby wants to do is play this match. He does yeah. not care about escaping. You know the the he's basically serving his time, and he just wants to get to the other side right. of the he's, war. He's just like let's just sit out the war, and you know we have an opportunity to at least have some fun, and let's you know. Yeah. And his superiors are constantly trying to use this match to help some people escape, and he doesn't care about that. I like that the kind of two sides of it of like, is it his obligation to try to escape, or is it his obligation to? lift the morale of the, the guys by yeah. letting them play this. Like, I don't know. There, there's a lot of potential there. The screenplay could have done a lot more to bring that stuff to the surface. Because it's like neither one of those two characters is really conflicted in any way, and neither of them budges from their position. It's not like... It would be interesting, I think, if some of the players on the team were just like, hey, if we have an opportunity to escape, let's I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's You would like, think no, some I'm, of them would, too, right? Yeah, you would think so. But, you know, and if it, if he was the one going like, no, I, my focus is on winning this match, then we can't waste be... our time trying to plan an escape. We don't have time for that. We're you know we got to train. If there's some some kind of tension there, I would be. They didn't play it up, but probably should have because I got to imagine most would not be thinking Kane's way, Colby's way. Oh, we're just going to sit this out. I got a chance to escape. I want out of here. Yeah, I mean, I guess the team does eventually learn once. Stallone's character gets recaptured and they learn like what the plan is. Yeah. The resistance is going to bust them out. But for most of it, they don't know that they're going to try no. to escape. They think just, they're just going to play a soccer match. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah and, and you know, just talking about how like there's the potential for more tension between like Colby and his men, like there's just no tension in this movie at all, like, regardless of what's happening. There's the whole sequence where where uh, Hatch escapes. He climbs up out of the, the shower and, yeah. and he's climbing on roofs or whatever and he's he hides on the side of a car, has the opportunity to be this really suspenseful scene. It is dead in the water. Like, you're never going, like, is he going to get caught? It seems like a foregone conclusion that he's just going to get out. It does, and I don't even think the score, I don't think there's anything, there's, like, nothing there of generating, as you said, yeah. any suspense at all. There's not much score. The score is by Bill Conti, who uh, I, I regretted not giving him more credit on the Rocky episode. And I think the score is fine, but yeah, it's mostly, most of this movie doesn't have much no, score. No, not at all. But like, nothing, the whole plan goes off without a hitch. Everything that, every single scheme that these guys have goes off without a hitch, not a single complication, nothing to make you go, oh, you know, we should be going, like, oh no, he's going to get caught. Never, you never have that moment of just like, even a guard going like, oh, what's that? Oh, nothing. Like, it's, just do that. It raises the, t- the tension a thousand percent. When, when you really think about it, I mean, just writing a script for a prison break story. <laughs> right. How can you write one without any feeling of tension? No, it, Honestly. I mean, it seems you know like, I mean? like the basic blocking and tackling. It's like a five. Yeah, exactly. It's like a five minute sequence of Stallone <laughs> escaping this prison camp. You're never worried for him. You're never going like, uh oh. Everything goes exactly <laughs> to plan. Exactly. And then the same thing when they're going to escape. They're going to escape through the visitor's locker room. Floor comes out. Okay, we're, everything's good. Water we're, drains. <laughs> no problem. It's not like there's a moment where it's like they might get caught. Oh, phew, they didn't get caught. No, yeah. no one ever comes I to will... investigate this noise that happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's floors I, crumbling. Yeah, I won't get there yet, but I mean, somehow there's no guards in the locker room. Uh, why not? But whatever. Well, well, you know, privacy. Privacy for, for what? Privacy. Pardon. It's a 
They're prisoners. You don't yeah. get privacy. I mean, they, they give them privacy in the shower too. They don't. They they stand outside the shower. I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's in the Geneva Convention. I, I don't <laughs> know the details of the Geneva Convention. Maybe it's just like any any shower situation. Guards aren't allowed in. All right. All right you want to move on? Little details. Little details. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. Uh, we covered a lot of mine, but I've I've got a few of them. So I want to uh, I want to lead off. So in this camp, did you happen to notice that at some point there was a wide shot where there were a couple of POWs just carrying a bunch of lumber? That <laughs> seems really dangerous to me to let members of prisoners in a POW camp walk around with lumber. It was like a 10-foot-long log, yes. too. It's just like, that's long, it's long enough to just, like, you just lay it <laughs> on the fence. And just walk over. Yeah, scramble over the top of the fence. I couldn't believe that. I'm like, that's no way that that's allowed. Yeah, I didn't, that didn't occur to me, but that's exactly, you're exactly right. Like, uh-huh. what, what are they even doing with that lumber? I didn't, I, it's, I it's, it's like the steel beams in, uh, t- in uh, the Running Man. Running Man and then Commando what, when he's just carrying a giant, well, he's at least chopping wood there, but right. you're right, the steel beam what are they doing in that work camp? Yeah, well, they must be building something. Or do, well, it's a, it's not a labor camp. That's the thing. It's just a prisoner. No, work I, camp. I, I meant in the in the work camp for um, the running man. It's like what are they, what is he doing with those steel beams? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm saying this wooden beam that we see in this POW camp it doesn't make any sense. It's not a labor camp. It's just literally just they just sit there and you know they're I, just being time. housed. Yeah. It's not a labor camp, so why do they have this log at all? <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I didn't think about that. All right. All right. Uh, I want to talk about I really enjoyed when Hatch is the trainer, and Colby's uh, talked with uh, Max von Sydow's character about like getting real gear, like real shoes and stuff. Yeah. And they're handing out all the gear, and meanwhile, Hatch keeps sticking his, his nose in Stallone, just like, all right, I'm, I'm going to give my big spiel now. <laughs> and he lays out all the different ailments that he can oh, and yeah, does, does and does not want them to, to suffer from. Yeah, they're... <laughs> There's some in there for, I'm like, ooh, I, I don't want that myself. There are three different categories of ailments. Okay. So first of all, there's the ones that he can handle, he says. Appendicitis, heart attack. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, I can handle those. I, I want to know how he handles those. <laughs> Second uh, category, little inconveniences. If you have any little inconveniences, like anal bleeding or, <laughs> or tuberculosis or growing tumors, those are little inconveniences, according to him. Okay. And then the final category, which are things that he absolutely does not want to see, <laughs> blisters. He cannot handle blisters. Heart attack, anal bleeding, growing tumors, he can deal with it. But blisters, don't you dare show up with blisters. I just thought it was a strange scene. I mean, it's... it's I think it was supposed to be for comedy. Oh, so. it's, it's comedy. I, yeah. I enjoy Michael Caine's reaction. He's just so annoyed. He's got to put up... With, why did he agree to that? We can talk about that in questions. But it's just like, it's your own fault. He's just like, I'm so sick of this guy. It's like, you let him on the team. It's not like it was foisted on you. No. Anyway. So I, I really enjoyed, in terms of the detail, the play that I believe the Pele's character name is Luis. Okay. Uh, that he. I was just calling him Pele. Okay. Head. That he he draws up is outstanding. <laughs> that it's good. just an elaborate sound wave, basically. That he runs the entire length of the field multiple times and scores a goal. <laughs> that seems so insubordinate. And Michael Caine's just like, that's hilarious. <laughs> no, 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 coach. I'll do this and then this and then this. He's just drawing lines yes. up and down. I mean, um, it's not wrong. The movie treats Pele like a soccer god, which I, I guess he is. But it's like yeah. every time. <laughs> well, should we talk about this now? Or I mean, it's little details, so I guess maybe this is the time to talk about All it. All right. Max von Sydow basically falling in love with Pele at the end, <laughs> and that last that bicycle kick. God, that sequence made me laugh so much. Or Pele hits a bicycle kick, 
to score the tying goal. Cut to Max von Sydow watching, and then she's like, bring, 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 and then fade, like these slow, <laughs> slow motion shots of Max von Sydow looking like lovingly at Pele as he kicks the goal. God, that was so, I mean, it, it was one of the best parts in the movie. It's edited as if it's Max von Sydow falling in love. You almost yeah. expect like, you envision them like, Skipping and holding hands. Right, yeah, he's imagining their life together. Yeah. He's just, I mean, it inspires him so much, he starts applauding for the, the allies. Right. But, um, God, I don't know, something about that. Just the way Pele is Which that's depicted. The, that's the Rocky Four moment, by the way, that the Nazis are uh, applauding. I know well, it was just only one. one but, but, yeah, it's, he, I mean, he loves soccer more than he loves the tenets of national socialism, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, but I just the editing of that made me laugh. Actually, I may end up doing that if uh, I, I may if I have time. I'm going to take that scene, and edit over that love, whatever that oh, love it's, song. It is outstanding. Like when the Jaws falls in love with that girl, Moonraker. <laughs> you know that music. Yes. Uh, so I also picked up that at least in occupied France, you can pick up a stranger's luggage, and they don't say anything. Or even seem to notice that you've picked up their luggage. Yeah, I don't think she even knew. No. She's just like, oh, right, that. Yeah, this guy, he's there to take my luggage. Yeah. I just, I, that I couldn't stop laughing about. Oh, Stallone's French. I mean, <laughs> I don't speak French. It's very clear to me that that's not good French. So I didn't write this down, but I did kind of wonder. So do you think... <laughs> Do you think Brad Pitt happened to base a little bit of Aldo Rain on, on Stallone's oh, yeah, attempt yeah, yeah. at French? <laughs> because I, oh god, that is some of my favorite stuff about Inglorious Bastards, and just it reminded me very much yeah, of Aldo Rain. Now that you mentioned it, <laughs> I think in Inglorious Bastards, I think Brad Pitt it came up with that idea. I think in the script he spoke. Oh, Italian, like well, fluently. Yeah, and was, oh. He was the one who's just like, nah, I'm just going to do it in my southern accent. Well, then let me go ahead and give him credit for that because no, it's one of the best parts. It of is the one of the best. I remember seeing that theater and the, the, the crowd just erupting. It was like yes. the biggest laugh I've ever seen in any movie ever. It and was. That's actually how I reacted to I didn't see it in theaters, but when I was at home watching it, I mean, it. Really? I thought I saw it with you. Maybe we did saw it? Kill Bill or something. I, I, thought, I thought I saw that with no, you. No, maybe I did see that with you now. Though. And so I would I have been. So. I, I got caught up in it of how funny it, it was. So a great choice there. Yeah. What do you got now? I, I don't have much else. I, I did have that the resistance decided to say no to the request before discussing where the game would be played. <laughs> right. That To me, that seems pretty irresponsible, doesn't it? They have no idea. <laughs> right. It's like, absolutely not. We will not help you uh, rescue <laughs> the soccer team. Oh, but it's being played at the stadium. Oh, oh well. Well, okay. Well, the one guy is just like, oh, I, I happen to know there are sewers under there. So yeah. Be, I think it's the kind of thing where it's like, actually, it'd be pretty easy. All right, we'll do it. You know? It just seemed to me that they're immediate, and then the guy who doesn't speak English only speaks French. Oh, wait a minute. It's at this stadium? He chimes in, and then all of a sudden they change. Shouldn't you know a little bit about before you just unilaterally saying no? Well, his reasons for refusing was just like, we don't have any place to put them. Uh, we don't want to put our people at risk. Like, having a whole POW soccer yeah. team running around Paris is going to be dangerous and it's going to put the resistance at risk. None of those things changed once he learns that it's the stadium. It's like, all those things are still an issue, right? Yes. Like, the, your reasons for saying no have not changed. They're valid, right? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, that's a, it is a weird moment. Uh, what, have you, what, what have you got? Okay, I, there's. I think the line that I found the funniest. It's just. It's it's kind of stupid, but in a way that I appreciate. It's a fine line between. It is clever and stupid. It's right on that line because there's the part where uh, one of the British officers. I don't think it's like the main colonel. So one of his like, flunkies. Yeah. Where 
uh, Stallone's plan to escape. He, he's got his passport, his fake passport that says he's French. And uh, I, I didn't quite understand what the lieutenant was talking about, but he says, remember to take your identity tag. You don't want to be shot as a spy, do you? And Stallone goes, no, I don't want to be shot as anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a stupid joke, but I really laughed at that. I don't want to be shot really? as anything. Yeah. That's the right kind of stupid. I like that. I like that kind of a, a dumb joke. Stallone can pull that kind of a joke off. Like it's it's a Rocky esque joke. You know what I mean? They get shell shocked. It's that yeah. kind of a thing. These birds are flying candy. <laughs> shell shocked is a bad joke too. <laughs> that is a bad joke. That's that's really all I have on the little details. Any more from you? Uh, I I probably have uh, one or two more. My my notes are not particularly organized. So oh, I want to talk about paper mache Stallone. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love paper mache Stallone. I, I assume that, that that head just decomposed and is no longer a thing, but like, if that prop exists somewhere, I want to know where it is, and I will pay top dollar for <laughs> that crappy paper mache face. How does that fool the Nazis for, like, it implies at least like a week, right? Multiple days. This is no <laughs> Shawshank Redemption where they've got a poster covering the hole. So I had it in, in my um, devil's advocate. I just asked the question, where do prisoners in a POW can't get paper mache to make paper mache oh, Stallone. They have ways. They've, they've got cameras and all sorts of things in there, so I can buy paper mache. <laughs> just, just to explain, like, Stallone's character escapes, and they're like, we'll cover for you. And then at roll call, where they're counting up all the prisoners, they've got this fake Stallone that they just made the out of, yeah, some kind of, like, arts and crafts. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it completely fools the Nazis until one day, it, the head falls off the body and <laughs> rolls around. And, and even then, they have to, like, walk over and, like... They walk over, and it's probably only because the entire soccer team is snickering yeah. at the head on the ground. <laughs> Yeah, that really shows how nice a POW camp is, where they're just openly laughing at the Nazis. It's like, you dumbasses. You didn't know that this guy escaped for like a week because we had this paper mache head. To me, that moment and that aspect was, you know, most of this is the great escape plus soccer. That was Hogan's Heroes plus soccer. That that <laughs> yes. moment felt very Hogan's that Heroes That is a very Hogan. Me. I mean, he may as well have had that. Because is, is it the eye patch guy who discovers it? He's the one who's... Yeah. Yeah, he may as well have just gone, Hogan! <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, that that I agree. <laughs> I forgot about Hogan. I didn't even think about Hogan's Heroes this whole time. Like I, that's not a show I really watch. Yeah, I didn't really watch it at first. I've seen enough episodes to know. <laughs> yeah, and, and the first, Colonel Clink goes Hogan. That's like my only <laughs> reference. <laughs> and at first, my first plot summary was Hogan's Heroes, you know, with soccer. But I'm like, eh. Not really, because it's not enough comedy to to that. To, so I changed it to The Great Escape. <laughs> Would you have preferred that? I think so, yes. <laughs> More of a comedy? Yeah, I think I would have. Okay. Uh, yeah, so any other little details? I accidentally shut off my notes, so give me one second. Um, well, I mean, this is a little detail. This is the appropriate place to talk about this, the love interest, because it's a very little detail. It's like one scene where she's like, she's very cold to him, like, oh, you're putting my people at risk. And then within one conversation, she's like, oh, I'm f- afraid for your life, or whatever it is. What's going on with that? I, what attacked on character? It, what attacked on subplot? So my biggest disappointment is I I wanted the opportunity for the movie to have a little bit more time just to get more from her, only so that we could have had a Zeus of the movie, because she was totally pointless. Well... She was totally pointless. The, the love story goes nowhere, and also they have no chemistry, the two of them. Not at all. Um, 
I wouldn't say pointless because, I mean, she is a member of the Resistance, and the Resistance is not pointless. The Resistance isn't, but once he's made contact with the Resistance, the plan is outlined, and they tell him he has to go back. That's all you need. You didn't need her at all. Right. Her son does more in terms of plot than she does, because her son's the one that... Right, that delivers the... Was it flowers? Yeah, flowers, and then uh, he tells... Yeah. Stallone, the halftime is when they're supposed to... Yeah, with the flower when he's making the... <laughs> I do love... When the, the little kid runs out, gives Stallone the flowers, gives, gives him the message, and then Michael, Michael Kane, Kane wanders over. He's like, what was that about? He's like, oh, halftime, we're going to escape. And he like casually hands him the flowers to the point where like Michael Kane, I don't think, even like realizes what's happening. Yeah. And they're like, okay, good, halftime, we'll escape. And then he like Michael Kane realizes he's got the flowers in his hands. <laughs> Michael Kane played that moment perfectly. Like That was a really funny moment. And then he kind of he throws it to the crowd. Yeah, uh, yeah so... Um, I liked that moment. Yeah. Speaking of Michael Caine, the game at the end, it's a good chunk of It's at least 15 minutes finale of the whole. I mean, they just filmed guys playing soccer. Most of the POWs who are members of the soccer team weren't were, actors. They, they were, were soccer players. Yeah, right. famous soccer players. Uh, I liked in the credits how they would show like what country they're from, just yeah. to highlight what an international cast it was. I, I liked that a lot. But I did too. But Michael Caine, he never, you never see him out there. Like, hardly ever. Stallone, so, Stallone, you see diving and making plays and as the goalie. It, and it's hard to know when you read stuff on the internet and IMDb. Did you read any of the notes on it? Not really. Okay, so I, I read a couple of things. And again, I don't know how true these are. One, uh, with Stallone, he completely ignored what was taught to him initially and I guess dislocated his shoulder okay. pretty early on in filming and then decided, oh, I should actually take the direction on you know what how to play goalie goalie in an acting sense because he really hurt himself right trying to just oh i'm just gonna wing it and then the other thing that i read this was the best i don't remember if it was from pele or one of the european soccer players maybe they just said oh michael kane was terrible he couldn't run for more than 20 minutes that doesn't surprise me because you never <laughs> in, in all of the soccer footage he's never there no and I think at that, least alone is it mixed in as the goalie but it's like michael kane you never seem to do anything I, and i think <laughs> the reason is is that he was in awful shape and yeah. could not play a lick of soccer the only time michael kane appears is whenever there's like a bad call like you know the refs are obviously in right, the bag he's and, complaining so yeah there'll be a call and then michael kane appears ah you ref how dare you you know yes, it's because he couldn't run yeah he's never actually in the Play. Oh. Like maybe he was just sandbagging and I'm just like, you know what? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll hang back. I'll be the extra, you know, I'll, I'll just be on defense the whole time. Or yeah. Um, so I, if those are true, that is outstanding that he just, he couldn't run. So they couldn't ever put him in any scenes of the actual soccer taking place. Yeah. Well, I will take one, take it back. I did see one piece of trivia. I think it was on the Amazon, uh, in the Amazon the X-ray. X-ray. Yeah. yeah. This is, I think, right in the cusp of Stallone being Golden God, uh, Planet Hollywood Stallone. I think this is right at the beginning of that. Apparently, Stallone requested that they change the script so that his character can score the winning goal. And they had to spend like an hour or two explaining to him, like, your character is the goalie. It makes absolutely no sense that he would somehow be in a position to be all the way up the field to score the winning goal. It could not happen. The plot, it according could, to the it's plot, just, it's just not plausible that in a, in a real, like in a, in like my son, if somebody was really good, happened to be playing goalie, he, he might be able to run the field 
out of goal and be able to take like the kick only if he was that much better than all the other kids. But playing against real professional players, absolutely not. But wait, are you saying that the team would put in a different goalie and move no. the goalie to a new? Oh, you're saying no, as the goalie. As the goalie. You, I mean, you can't come out of goal. And I mean, it's in like. Well, sure, you, you can know, do it. Yeah, you, yeah can. you can. You just can't use your hands outside of the box. So, I mean, it could be done. Outside of it, a really low, uh, the best player at a really low level never would be able to do it. So it'd be a terrible idea. Yes, having you, you want your goalie in the goal. Yes, it's like all, all they would need to do is kick it over his head, and you get a, you know if you aim it right. Yeah, it's like the goalie should never be. I assume. I mean, I, I'm, that I'm is no, outstanding. I'm he, no soccerist, but I wouldn't think you'd ever want to pull the goalie more than twenty feet from the goal. Oh, that's great that he wanted to kick the winning goal. <laughs> well, I think the the compromise was they let him save, save. the shot, so yeah. that you know that was the compromise. But well, I mean, that, that's a much better choice. To one extent or another, he is the biggest star in the movie. But you know, Michael Caine could have—they could have manufactured something for Michael Caine. Michael Caine is basically a coach. He's an administrator. Yeah, he shouldn't have even. But you're right. He shouldn't have even been out on the field. He should have been the just, trainer, really. <laughs> well, um, then you're missing out on all of the Stallone training wisdom. But you're right. Yeah, I think Michael Caine should have just been the coach. If he couldn't he, run, for all intents and purposes, that's he is. what he, he is. You never see him. He's arguing with the refs and he's telling players where to go. He's right. the coach. He's the anti Pele because every time Pele does something, the movie's just like, oh, look at Pele. And then Michael, yeah, Michael Caine's just standing around. <laughs> um, I like the idea that Pele gets injured and somehow, like, I can do it. I can go back. It's like, well, what, are you, what is your injury? Like, this, the movie never even establishes what is wrong with him. He kind of runs around like holding his arm to his side. Yeah, you're not sure if he like broke a. I, I assume that it's like a broken rib or something. I guess yeah, the way he's sense. favoring it, but they they don't establish it very well. I just wish they yeah would establish what is wrong with him so that yeah. we would know. Well, because one guy leaves on a stretcher. Like, man, <laughs> yeah. what happened there? Yeah, you would think at that point because I think when Pele goes out, they're the the Allied team is now playing shorthanded. Yeah, it's like they had one bench guy. Essentially, I found that hard to believe too. Yeah, and it seems like they had a bigger team, right? There's 11 players on a yeah. soccer team, and they've got like 18 guys. Well, that's what I thought they had more on the bench, and then all of a sudden, oh, now we're going to play shorthanded. How many guys, <laughs> how many injuries piled up? Unless some of them are just so bad. It's just like, <laughs> well, we have bench, but we don't want to bring them in. We'll play shorthanded. <laughs> We'd rather just not put them in. Michael Caine is so arrogant, he won't take himself out, even though, you know. <laughs> even though he can't run. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. All right, time for the devil's advocate. Right, let's do it. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple in terms of specifics about, for instance, Pele. When he, they discover him, he's just sitting around watching the tryouts, right? Yes. Why is he not trying out? I, I don't know. Because like, it just the the ball kind of rolls off to the side. Like oh you give us our ball back. It's like sure. Exactly. As as if he like can't help himself. As it, it, the scene feels like Pele is discovering that he's amazing at soccer in the moment. It's like oh I, how am I doing this? It's like uh, the oranges that I used to do at the market oh, right. back home. He That's how they explain that, yeah, that away. That. So yeah, why is this Pele not part of this, these tryouts? So I wasn't sure if. You know, if there was some, you know, racism within the camp and that it's really glossed over, if that's the case. Yeah, if that's the case, they don't address it at all. No, and so that was my only guess because it seemed like everybody there were officers of some kind. So I didn't think it was just, oh, they happen to just be, you know, grunts. And No, there, there are regular soldiers in there because Michael Caine makes a point to say, I want... I don't. I don't. Oh, just yeah, want officers. Right. I, yeah, want, so, I want the enlisted men too. Yeah. So I, outside of maybe that, there's just racism that isn't addressed. That's the only thing that I could come up with. 
Yeah, I'm just like they. He just assumed he wouldn't be allowed or something. Like, yeah, yeah. they could have. They could have had a point there of just you know dealt with something that they just yeah. didn't want to deal with. I guess. Yeah. It's a sports movie. They're just trying to make it a relatively vanilla, bland sports movie. Yeah. They don't want to. They don't even want to deal with the Nazis. So no, yeah, they're, they're certainly, certainly not going to handle racism like yeah, that. Definitely. But if you, if you're right, if you're not going to attack. Nazism, you're not going to attack anything that's not as overt. And bringing it back to Max von Sydow falling in love with Pele, it's like the fact that <laughs> no, I mean really, <laughs> he, he really does. I am look- so thinking of waiting for Guffman now, the pharmacist, and how much he just loves Corky. That that's all I can. Th- I don't know how well you know. I'm not waiting sure for Guffman. I've seen that one. Really? All right. Well, but uh, yeah, I mean that could have been the whole point of it. Is obviously Pele is the only player of any kind of ethnicity other than just caucasian you know what i mean like yeah. there's not even like it's just white guys and pele yep so it's like that that could have been a part of the story of like these nazis look at pele and, and go like oh you know why would they ever have him on the team right like, the racism of of you the, could the call it, race yeah you could call attention to it right and that they look look you know they are bringing in inferior players they have you know right have have the nazis comment on that and then when max von Sydow realizes you know he just really admires pele for his skill and make that the moment like they could have they could have really given max von Sydow's character more of a, an arc just like make him a real nazi and then go oh pele is amazing therefore yeah. how how can we be the master race <laughs> exactly. we can't do that <laughs> you know like that could have been I, like i can't do a bicycle kick right <laughs> certainly not at his age whatever he's probably in his early 50s <laughs> yeah. You break his head. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that, that could have been the arc. That could have been a lot of what this movie was about. It, 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 it drains so much of that stuff out of it. It's just it's There's not about anything. It, it doesn't address any of the issues that are there. If it wants to, it chooses not to address it's, any of them. It's so far under the surface that you can't even yeah. feel it at all. Okay, what do you got? All right, so my first one was, I want to know, so that first escape attempt where we get our only body, actually, in this movie. Yep. How elaborate? Now you're stealing my thunder. Okay, I mean. sorry. How elaborate was that? And I want to know: did, the, did the, this committee that laughed the guy who wanted to pole vault? If this was simply a plan for a guy to crawl on the ground and cut some fencing, uh, what what do you really need a committee for? Right. Yeah. I mean, he does get caught and he does get killed, so it didn't work. But it just. What was well, his plan for that second? He winds up in another layer of fencing and gets all cut up when they when he's trying to escape and the dogs are coming. What was his plan for that? Well, I think the dogs are the thing that get him caught, right? He's crawling through the dog smell of him and start barking. They turn lights on him. He panics, tries to stand up. He's in the middle of oh, razor maybe. wire. Yeah, I think maybe. that's what it was. Okay. He, he just once once he was found out, he just thought I'm just gonna get up and try and push my way through this razor wire. Just right. didn't turn out good for him. So. No, it did not at all. No, I think his plan was to keep crawling until he got to the outer fence. It's just the dogs okay. got him. All right. No, but I mean, yeah, just the fact that that is a plan that seems like it could have worked. It didn't work, but it could have. Right. I, mean, I guess it's one of those things where POW camps, I, I get the sense, and I don't know if this is particular to World War II or all wars, or I mean, it probably depends on the circumstances, but like, you know, a prisoner of war camp, the goal is to just keep these guys contained for as little money as possible. We're just like spending as many, yeah. you know, there's a war going on. You don't want to spend resources on, on a lot of like building walls and things. It's like, you know, some razor wires and fences. You, you hire some guards, you get some floodlights. Yeah. You do it for as, you know, you don't want to waste resources on these POW camps. So it's like maybe because they're so ramshackle, 
just by nature that's maybe why it's easier to escape there than like a real prison with like concrete walls and like built as a permanent structure yeah that may be true yeah i don't know if there's some merit to that or not but all right maybe all right what do you got so i was curious at the beginning max von Sydow when he's arriving to tour the pow camp the first soccer player quote-unquote he meets is not michael kane it's stallone as hatch stallone's Playing, he's just casually... Can I have my ball yeah. back? The ball rolls over to Max Van Saito. He's like, can I have my ball back, sir? And what happens? He's, he, he, Max Van Saito doesn't give him the ball back. He gives the ball to Michael Caine. He's like, oh, you guys are playing soccer, huh? And like, totally ignores Stallone. Because he's only, an American. Do you think that's why? Yes. Okay, I was wondering what, what was going on there. It's like, why are you giving the ball to... And it's before he recognizes Michael Caine. He's like, oh, you're, you're the famous football player. <clears throat> so it's not like he's going... You know, he, he, for whatever reason, he just totally... <laughs> he blows off Stallone. <laughs> yeah, he takes Stallone's question, redirects it at Michael Caine, <laughs> ignores Stallone, and, and then Stallone he, just wanders away. And then uh, I'd say they show his soccer skills, but since they only show his boots, it clearly is not Max inside out doing those kicks. Well, to be fair to Max von Sydow, that's got to be hard to do in those kinds of like Nazi, oh, yeah. high Nazi boots. Like, yeah, and uh, um, military boots yeah, are so, not designed to play soccer. Yeah, that's for sure. So I'm sure whoever they got, that must have been pretty tricky. Alright, so here's what I want to know. Speaking of that scene and Hatch, Hatch to me, the, the entire thing, he, he just wants to escape. Why does he want to play on the soccer team at all? At the beginning? Yeah. Okay, I had this exact same question. Yeah, I, at, I can't answer. At one point, it becomes essential for his escape. Yes. And at that point, you understand why. But at the beginning, he, I mean, he keeps, tra- I mean, I laughed because it was some of the comedy of him keep trying to interject himself to get onto the team. Right. But it made no sense. If all he wants to do is escape, he shouldn't care. There's, there's a kind of a, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And I think the reason is there's a kind of a catch-22 in the plot because it's like, okay, Stallone has a plan to escape. He's put in all his work. He's got his like papers, and you know yeah. he's he's put a lot of work into this plan. It depends on two incompetent German guards <laughs> being around during shower time. Hogan, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's Colonel Clink right there. There's, there's <laughs> the, the guys who go and have a smoke during shower time. He's like, yeah. oh, these two guards. They 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 go inside and have a smoke. Yeah, uh, and that's what that's my chance to sneak out through the shower. Then uh, Michael Caine creates his soccer team. Those two guards get reassigned to guard the soccer team, which screws up Stallone's plan. So now he wants to get on the soccer team in order to escape because that's where his incompetent guards are. But, and this, uh, I think the catch-22 is, by the time the guards have been assigned to the soccer team, the soccer team has already been chosen. Like, tryouts have already happened. Michael Caine has chosen his team. So I feel like the... There's no way to make it make sense. There's no you can't put that those scenes in any order that makes sense because it's like if you move the scenes where Stallone's going like I want to get on the team. If you move that after the guards get reassigned, it doesn't make sense because why is he trying out for a team that's already been, been chosen? Yeah. So it's like there's no order of those scenes that makes sense. It's just like this weird catch twenty two where they just kind of had to because you have the scene where he goes to Michael Caine and says I want to be just let me be the trainer, trainer yeah. etc. So I guess that's all you need. So I guess, yeah, the solution is remove that scene, I guess. Now yeah, there's no, re- there is no reason for him to want to be on the team. I, well, I'm trying to play devil's advocate. So I mean, Good I mean, luck. Do you, do you think it's just to throw the Nazis off the scent? <laughs> I'm just like, oh, this guy is obviously not going to escape. He's invested in the soccer team. He really wants to play. <laughs> right. That's probably the best attempt you could get, but it's pretty flimsy. Right. So I mean, it... it, it it seems like it would draw more suspicion than just like this American wants to play soccer. That's Something's wrong here. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Maybe the rest of the team is trying to escape and he's just glomming on. <laughs> right. 
No, I agree with you. I, I, it's a weird moment. All right. All right. We already talked about pole vaulting guy, <laughs> but my, my question is why do they why do they shut this plan down? Because honestly, it doesn't seem like a bad plan. This guy's going to pole vault the southern fence, and they're just like ridiculous. It's like, wait, wait a minute. Okay, you know what? Now that I think about it, maybe it was that was the lumber. Maybe the lumber. Because I thought, where? How is he going to pole vault? What's he going to use? He was probably going to use that lumber. Uh, I don't know if poles from uh, they're used for pole vaulting are made of wood. I don't know. They, they're very oh, flexible. Well, right. They have give. I, well, okay. Then how is he going to pole vault over? Because this isn't <laughs> right. a track and field movie. It's a soccer movie. I mean, I assume that the guy had a pole vault or some kind of pole to use. I mean, I guess you don't need it to be. I, if you can just get enough momentum, maybe it can be rigid and you just kind of like go. You just kind of. <laughs> I, I would have green. I'm going to tell you right now. If it was me and I was on the committee, I would just like to see that tried and i would yeah. have given it the green light approve just, it just because you want to see it yeah. well, I, I can't miss that i, I gotta see <laughs> I was that gonna say i want a front row seat so i'm giving it the green light just to see it fail i mean it would be difficult for the nazis to, to hit a moving target <laughs> that's for sure you know I like I, I think just by sheer bravado that would probably work yeah, they might. Even the Nazis might say, "All right, we're going to let this guy keep going because we want to see how this ends." <laughs> right, yeah, they they would want to see it too. Let me see if I want to see if he clears it. <laughs> you know, and let's let's see how this we goes. can go capture him afterwards. Yeah, I just want to know why he didn't approve it. I want I, he should have approved it. I, I'm telling British you right term. now, I would I would have been an instant green light from me. Yeah, agreed. All right, so I also had um, I had a real problem with Hatch and playing on this team. So okay, so other than honor is the only thing I could come up with. So let's take that out of the equation. What forces Hatch to meet with the resistance in France? He's free. Uh, I mean, he's not. He's still in the military. He still has to follow orders from who? None of them are his commanding officer. He was a Canadian. He was an American fighting in a Canadian. Yeah, but Canadians were were British essentially. No, they're part of the Commonwealth. So I no, I think I think the way it works is he's cut off from the chain of command. So there's in in the camp there a new chain of command forms. I think he does report to that colonel who is in charge of he's the head the highest ranking British officer in the POW camp. I forget his name, Colonel something. I uh, I think he reports to him. I think he has to follow his orders. No, why not? He's in the military. It's wartime. There's a war going on. These are his orders. Go make contact with the French resistance. If he'd be AWOL if he didn't. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I, don't I think don't he can think just do what he wants. He, but he's not in the British military. He's in the Canadian military, which is close enough. I don't buy that one bit. I mean, I think he could have just bailed and there would be no reprisals. I mean, it, uh, yes, technically Canada was an independent nation at that point. Yes. But it's like, uh, it's, still, it's still kind of England. And no. Still, it's still Great Britain. There's no reason. That would be the same thing that an American would have to answer to the Brits. Because at one point we were a colony of the British. At that point, again, I don't think it's clear what year this is, but certainly at this point, Canada was in the war. They were an ally of the English, and they were fighting okay. on, on the, That's fine. their side. So, you but know. He, he doesn't report to them. Either way. But just by fact that he is in the same POW camp, yes, he does. Okay. I think that's what well, wait a minute. Certainly, I think that's what this movie implies. Let's, I think that's what most POW movies that I've seen, I think that's what my interpretation of it was. Let's, even, like, let's even, I'll, let, I'll grant you. He ha- he has orders that he's supposed to follow, right? Why would he? I mean, uh, you're you're telling me you wouldn't risk a court martial if you're like I could have to meet with this resistance and ultimately get sent back to prison, or I could just say no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to Switzerland. Yeah, but what's going to happen when he's when he gets to Switzerland? 
Word's going to get back that he, he defied orders. You know, where's he going to go? He can't go to either side of the war at that point because he's going to be arrested for going AWOL. If he goes back to the UK, yeah. or UK or to Canada, I mean, maybe in the U- if he makes it back to the US, maybe he'd be okay. It's like, ah, we're not in the war yet. We don't care. I'm not sure I buy that. I no, I, I think he's. I mean, I think the realistic is Hatch would have run as fast as he could. No, all that, all of that said, I also do think that his honor. I know you wanted to dismiss that, but no, I think he's an honorable guy, and you know, the colonel could blow up Stallone's whole plan if he wanted to. So it's like, I will help you escape. In exchange, help us help the soccer team escape. I guess. You know, it's tit for tat. For me, it was weak, but I'll, I'll accept your devil's advocate. <laughs> okay, good. One point for me. I know we don't keep score about it, but I'll take, I'll take the victory. All right. Escape to victory. I have you, escaped to you victory. You have made it. All right. So here's my question. This is also related to that colonel. There's a scene where the colonel and Colby are kind of having an argument because the colonel is kind of, I mean, the colonel is telling Colby he's going to be court-martialed because right. Colby is refusing to help plan the escape. He's not interested. He just wants to win the match. Yeah. And then the colonel says something about how if they play this match in the stadium in front of the world, essentially, it'll be this huge propaganda win for the Germans. Why? Why? He's describing it as like an inherent win. Like if you even go along with this whole like dog and pony show, you're giving the Germans a propaganda victory. Oh, and he's specifically he's talking about the Eastern Europeans. Like, oh, you know, if you let them play on, the, on the, your team, you're giving the, the Nazis this propaganda win. It's like, well, wait, isn't the visibility of it just the fact that that they're going out in front of the world and and uh, I mean, not just the Eastern Europeans, but like everybody, just like here we are, we're POWs. You know, and we're going to defend our honor just like and take on the Nazis. I just, I just don't understand why this colonel is saying, like, don't go through with this match at all because that'll. I See, to me, I interpret it as that if you go through with it, he didn't know that it would be as rigged as it was. But just the fact that you've got guys that aren't necessarily in playing shape, playing up against active soldiers who are probably in better shape. You just think that the colonel's taking it as a foregone, foregone conclusion that it's going to be a loss. Lose, yeah. yeah. And so to me, it's like don't don't walk on the field because by walking on the field, you've probably already lost. No matter what happens, you're going to lose. And then the the Germans can say, "Look how superior we are." That this is all of the rest of the world, right? You've built and assembled this team, and these are some of the you know players from all these other countries. And look, the Germans have just run roughshod over you. So well, and I think there's no question that that is the risk, but I don't think the colonel is saying there's a risk of this turning bad. He's, I, it, it felt to me like he was saying... Just showing up. Yeah, just going along with this yeah. is a win for the Germans. It obviously doesn't turn out to be true. Well, maybe... Here's... Okay, maybe he knew that the Germans had that very proper uh, announcer in, in their pocket and that just by showing up and playing, that announcer could be used and broadcast to the world that... The Nazis had this uh, this you know British agent who had was had fallen in love with the Nazi regime. I don't know. Wait, so you're saying that uh, he knows about that announcer? Okay, <laughs> yeah, I, that actually makes sense. I'll buy that. I'll give you a point for that. <laughs> okay. We're even. We're even. We're again. even. It's going to end in a tie. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> now you've kind of won no matter what. <laughs> you've defeated me by tying me. Yes, I am. Damn it! You have any other questions? I really got. I, that was a chess move right there. You, <laughs> you really outfoxed me. <laughs> I don't think I have much else. Let me check real quick. 
Um, oh, man. Well, I forgot a little detail that uh, uh, Max von Sydow's superior looks like Vladimir Putin. Ooh, I didn't notice that, but now that I can envision it. exactly like Vladimir Putin. <laughs> that is a good catch. I forgot about that. <laughs> there's some irony in that, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's something in there. I don't know what it is. I think I'm basically done. I'm just, I'm just scanning through my notes. I think we pretty much covered everything. Well, you got something big coming up, That's so right. I hope you're ready for it. All right, yeah, I'm ready for the Silk Coast Art Memorial Internet Research uh, Corner. I think I should rename this to the Internet Research Rabbit Hole, because that's what I always used to call it. So this is the segment where I take a deep dive into some relatively tangential topic. I can't wait. What uh, is it? I was, I was going to look into the real story... I, I mean, I did, and then just there wasn't enough information. Meat on the bone, and yeah. also just it was so different from the, this movie. Took so many liberties that it was like basically nothing in common. It's yeah. like kind of pointless. So what I decided to do, and I promised not to make this too ugly American, but just the ties I had. To, okay, I wanted to look at the ties. So what I did is I wanted to look at all of the main, the four main American sports, like the four biggest sports: you know, baseball, football, basketball, hockey. Those are the sports that are popular in America. Yep. And I wanted to find out what percentages of games end in a tie for each of those. And then I found some statistics about every single league, in every single soccer league in the world. All right. And what total percentage of professional or semi-professional soccer games end in a tie. Well, other than American football, I don't think any games can end in a tie. That's true. Well, so we'll start there. Baseball cannot end in a tie. It never has been able to end in a tie. It is yeah. impossible. They'll play as many innings as they need to until there is a victory. One of the things that I actually enjoy about baseball, I know many people find it boring and doesn't move fast enough. I like that there is no clock and it is played until the final out. Yeah, it's unique in that way. It's yeah. definitely, I don't know if any, the, there the, are any the best team should win because it's not the best team during a specified period of time it's the best team is wins i guess in in a weird way tennis is kind of like that where it's just like here's there's a number of sets there's no clock it's just we're gonna play this many sets but you know the difference is you can't tie a set right in tennis you're gonna go until each set will go until there's a winner so yeah um so yeah zero zero percent of baseball games and okay zero point zero nba same deal yep basketball you cannot end a basketball game in a tie it will go overtime after overtime until there is a winner. So, Some great games, too, that go five, six overtime. That's right. Zero percent. So let's move on to football. The NFL, there have been 19 ties since 1980. Uh, the rules changed in like 77, 78. Uh, there used to be a lot more ties, and they changed the overtime. So I, I basically, for, I just chose 1980 as a cutoff just to make my, my life easier. So 19 ties across 38 years. Uh, approximately 9,120 9, games. I basically went, okay, 16 weeks, 15 games per week times 38 years. I know there weren't always that many teams, but whatever. It's a rough estimate. So that gets you 0.21% of okay. football American football games and in a tie. 0.2%. Okay. Now we'll move on to hockey. The NHL changed their rules about 12 years ago to disallow ties. So modern professional hockey in, the, in America, there are no ties. It yep. cannot happen. Prior to 2005... You could have a tie, and it was actually pretty common. So I looked at just one season from 2000, the year before they changed the rules, the 2003 2004 season. There were 170 ties across 1,230 games. Mm. So it's 13.8% of NHL games ended in ties back when they used to wear out ties. Yeah. And that'll tell you how much Americans hate ties when 
hockey, which is a, it's similar enough to soccer and that there's a goal and a, you know, yeah. it's, it's soccer on ice essentially is what the sport is uh, and with sticks. But you know, <laughs> but the fact that Americans hate ties so much that the NHL had to get rid of ties because people hated it so much. And again, 13.8% of games ended in ties. If you had to guess Ooh, what man. percentage of soccer, professional soccer games, and this is across 237 leagues across all over the world, you know, and like premier leagues and like all the different tiers of leagues, yeah. 35%. That's not quite that high. Although some, some are that high, but it's 23.79%. Wow. One in four soccer games ends in a tie. So I present that without comments. I promise not to crap on soccer. But <laughs> you just did with your disdain in no, your voice. Don't assume that. I, I'm, disdain in my voice is not a comment. It's it's tone. Okay. I, I have no comment. I just wanted to present those statistics. There there is a league in where is it? Norway, Division Two in Norway, forty one point eight percent end in a tie this is i think these stats that i found on the internet was like one particular season yeah so you know obviously there's some Very error much. yeah that's, i'm sure that's just a, yeah. an outlier so all right i just i was curious about how frequently different sports tie and there you go that that is a lot i honestly thought foot nfl american football would be higher 0.2 percent no i feel like there there aren't i mean i yeah, it's rarer than I realize. It, it's and it is kind of a huge deal, and I'm sure people that have bet on the game are really some are annoyed and some aren't. Uh, Wait, you know where I found these statistics about soccer? Or is it a website about soccer gambling? Where it's just <laughs> of like, course. we hate ties. The gamblers hate ties. So which <laughs> leagues can you avoid? You know, That's perfect. Here are all the leagues that have a lot of ties, so avoid big gambling on these leagues. That is awesome. I will here. I'm going to give soccer on the whole a, a big compliment. This is the thing about professional soccer, and I think this is true of other leagues, other sports, European sports in general, I think this may be true in, in parts of Asia. Say you've got a league, let's say a soccer league, a premier league, and I don't know the specific rules of how this works, obviously, but basically the way it works is, my understanding is, you're a professional team. You finish last. You don't get to be in the league next year. <laughs> you move down a tier. It's like you know whoever finishes last in, the, in Major League Baseball, right. they go down to AAA. And the champion of AAA moves up. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. It's, it's an awesome idea, and I wish American sports did that because it's <laughs> like, get rid of all these junk teams. You know what I mean? Like, There's so many terrible. Either get better or you're out. There's so many terrible American franchises, and the reason they can get away with it is because they're just permanently well, in the, yeah. the professional league. It's a monopoly, and they're permanently in the league. But God, it's, What a great idea. I, man, I... I Love that idea. I forget. There's a term for it. It's like ascension and dissension or something. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what the. It's something like that. I don't think that's it. Uh, it would be interesting, particularly for some of the teams that are you know perennial just bottom feeders. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, to be honest, in college sports, it could be a similar thing too. That you actually move down and you're like, nope, you're not in Division One anymore, and it's not called Division One anymore. I know that there's a different term, but no, you're moving down to the next one. It's not called Division One anymore. No, it, they've. That's I don't. News to me. Yeah, the, the the three divisions now have different names, but what, whatever it is, no, you're you're moving down now because you were a bottom feeder in your league, so we're we're moving you down. Yeah, I mean, college is more about the size of the school, and like at least college basketball has the two multiple tournaments. Yeah, you know, you've got the main NCAA tournament, and then you've got the NIT. It's like that's kind of 
that's essentially moving down, uh, you know, even if it's still Division One. In some ways, yeah. In some ways, it's kind of the same thing. Fair enough. But I, I want, especially baseball. There's like eight baseball teams. They're always at the bottom. Just get rid of them. <laughs> well, some of that, too, is that there's been too much expansion over the last 20, 30 years. There's too many teams yeah, well, in every especially sport. Especially in the 90s. Yeah. Well, but that's the thing is you can expand, and then if the teams suck, <laughs> it just retracts right back down. Yeah. It's, what do you, that's, I, I really am jealous of, of uh, you know, soccer, that, soccer leagues for that. That's a good point. All right. So let's move on to the body count. I stole uh, your thunder. Uh, that's, yeah, it's fine. It's only one. It's the guy at the beginning. I really was surprised. I was just waiting for stuff to go bad. It's kind of what I was saying. There's no tension. It was just the, the, my first time watching this, you know, obviously not knowing what was going to happen next. And I just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> I like, had my body count ready. Just like, <laughs> pretty soon someone else has got to die, right? Nope. It's a war film, basically. It's a prisoner of war film. Everything's fine. No one, no one even. The, no the worst peril. The worst injury is the guy who gets his arm broken by his own uh, his own men. Michael Caine's uh, got to break that guy's arm. There's that, but I don't know. That one guy in the stretcher looks like he might have been in pretty bad shape, too. I don't know if that was a broken neck or what. But <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what his deal was. I did enjoy when they come in at halftime. Like, we scored a goal. We scored a goal. And then the guy in the stretcher's just like, yeah. He's just shaking his fist like, yay. <laughs> he can't stop shaking his fist. <laughs> I'm worse for wear here, fellas. Yeah, I guess he must have been hurt pretty bad because the way he's shaking his fist, he's just, it, yeah. he seems very weak. Uh, yeah, only one. So in terms of our statistics, Stallone got zero kills in this movie. And he's fallen. Yeah, well, he's stuck at 199 total. Uh, now it's across 11 movies. So yes, he's falling to 18.09 bodies per film. Uh, he was at 35 or something when we started this, when we were just dealing with Expendables movies. It's and that, insane. He's down to 18.09, which, again, Arnold's average was 14.76. So only 3 point something, 3.27. It's narrowing. Is uh, dividing them. So, yeah, I think depending on what we pick next, we may very well have a, a tie. If they end up tied, then I'm really going to be. <laughs> you're going to be furious. My of ties. Imagine if we go through this whole podcast, three years of watching every Stallone movie, and then at the end, they're exactly tied. That Can would... you imagine? It's hard enough at a two-hour sporting event. Boy, that was a waste of time. It was a tie. Imagine us wasting three years of our life. <laughs> at the end of it, it's like we're going to determine who had the highest body count per movie. Neither. Yeah, both. Neither. That w- Kiss, kissing your sister, indeed. It's like, you know. That would be interesting, to say the least. I mean, it would, it would actually be kind of funny. So yeah. I, I wouldn't mind it so much. All right, let's get to the Wrecking, Wrecking Crew Award. All right. Uh, this one was actually pretty easy for me. Okay. I, I'm surprised to hear that because it was pretty tough for me. Oh, okay. Uh, why don't you go first? Oh, easy. Pele with that bicycle kick and sweet goal. I have also have Pele. <laughs> he didn't have much to do, but obviously, like they just they just hired him for his soccer skills, yes. so they're going to make the most of it. Yeah, between the I mean the 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 love the lovelorn look for the the bicycle kick and then yeah. his, his drawing of his play. I'm telling you, I really <laughs> really laughed at that. Well, that's what I have. This is the Wrecking Crew Award, and he wrecked Max von Sydow's heart. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's Pele. I'm glad we agree because I, right. I really struggled about it. But, yeah, I think that's the right call. All right. All right. Let's rate this thing. All right. I, I don't have my soundboard up. Let's rate this thing. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad-mouthing my film. I actually haven't decided yet. So I'm going to oh. decide on the spot. So I, why don't you give your rating and I'll decide whether or not I agree with you. All right. You're not going to agree with me. I already know that. So I went, this is a Tommy gun for me. 
I said, it's not really fun bad, but it's a pretty stupid premise. It avoids the spider Rico as the soccer players do just enough to make this not a total disaster for me. So you basically are only in it for the soccer and that's it. You didn't enjoy the story or the characters at all? Generally not. I mean, as you said, there's not much in terms of stakes. Uh, There's not much tension. I felt like the entire time the, the prison aspect, whether it's POW or just a prison, you know, like the longest yard, it's all tacked on and doesn't feel... It doesn't add anything. So see, no, see, I, I enjoyed. I think a lot of the performances are great. I mean, we didn't talk enough about Michael Caine. I think. I think he's very good in this. He's doing what he does. Yeah, like, I mean, he's not bad, but I, I don't know. I liked the story, even though I do think it's the movie is very lifeless. Um, you know, definitely. I, I don't know if it's John Huston. Like he he's made a lot of movies that I really like. Like he, he directed the Maltese Falcon. It's like one of the great <laughs> movies of all time. And yeah, it's just. This thing just lies there like a turd, like this whole movie. <laughs> you know, if that's not a Tommy gun, then what is? But that's the thing. Like, the story, everything else is good. <laughs> it just has no drama to it. It really is so deflated. You just got to pump some air into this movie and give it some life, and it, I think it completely works. It just feels so leaden. So I, I'm, I'm going to give it a Mason Dixon. I think it's, right. it's right in the middle. I, I, I knew you'd be higher than me, but that's fine. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. Kind of, I liked it, but I'll never watch this again. It's not. No. And to be honest, I'm not sure I'll ever think of this movie again. Either, <laughs> sure. Honestly. And I'm not trying to just be disparaging in that. I just. No, I agree. Put it, there's just nothing memorable about it. It's not like, what, nope. what's the scene? You'd be like, oh, yeah, that, that was funny. Or that was like. It doesn't have that. I mean, the thing I will remember is Max von Sydow, you know, his, his dreamy eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I really do want to take that clip and put some different music. <laughs> yeah, that could be. <laughs> There's so many songs you just, can use that ten times in a row. That clip and just a different like love song each time. Yes. Um, you know, I I mean, I, Max von Sydow's good in this movie too. I, mean, I think you know he's being asked to in his eyes depict some kind of transcendence, <laughs> and it just comes across. <laughs> you know, just cartoon hearts are coming off of his head. Anyway, yeah. I, I, have you given anything of Mason Dixon yet? I feel like you're being very, uh, you're going to the extremes a lot. We, we didn't used to rate movies. Now that we're rating movies, uh, have, I, have I given a Mason Dixon? I don't know if I've given a Mason Dixon. Yeah, everything's, I everything's but, feast or famine. With no, me. that's not that's not fair either. There has been that's not a criticism. It's just an observation. I've had a few Spider Ricos. I've had a few Paulo Creeds. I think I've got a few Tommy Guns. Right. Uh, I think I have a clubber lang or two in there too. So I think so far I don't think anything's gotten the Ivan Drago because nothing's been fun, fun bad. Oh, yet. Yeah, me neither. This uh, is only our seventh movie, so I feel like you've named more things and more ratings than we've gone out. It doesn't. It, I wasn't a criticism. I was just. I was right. just wondering. Fair enough. If there was a reason for that. Oh well, we'll see. Maybe uh, maybe the audience at uh, Arms Race Podcast can uh, tell us what they think, and maybe maybe they'll force me to reconsider and. And make a a Mason Dixon with you. Well, in this case, I don't know if Escape to Victory is that easy to find. Actually, probably should have talked about it at the beginning. But like, I watched a terrible SD version on Amazon. That's like, what I watched too. Yeah, it doesn't seem like this movie is really that well available. So, no. hopefully, people can find it. But anyway, that's the show. Well, yeah, that's the show. And hopefully, you're uh, since this is your next uh, pick. Yes. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see. So I what uh, you're, you're going to pick. With I one. I decided to head back to the action realm it's going to be the diminishing returns yeah that's uh, the only ac- category that's left in action uh, well in rambo and, and rambo rambo's right. still out there yeah rambo's out there so i left rambo rambo 5 has just been announced by the way 
I did not know that. Oh man, this podcast really? is getting longer. <laughs> it is. Oh, um, that'll come into play when we get to the Rambo category. Uh, I'll probably be the one who picks that. So yeah, that's uh, my guess. So we'll, I want to talk about Rambo Five, but it's we'll save it for another day. All right. Uh, so yeah, I went diminishing returns. I've seen this movie, but it was a long time ago. Uh, I don't remember it very well. I don't remember it being good either. Hence, diminishing returns. But I decided to go with Sharon Stone. And Sylvester Stallone in The Specialist. Ah, I have not seen The Specialist. Really? Yeah. I've seen Assassins. I've seen... What else is in that category? I'm not going to pull it up. Yeah. That's not really... uh, No, it's diminishing returns for a reason. There's not a lot of good stuff in there. Is is there... What <laughs> to what degree is Sharon Stone nude in that movie? I guess, I, 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 you know, there there's Sharon Stone nudity. Okay, I watched Basic Instinct recently for the first time in first time t- really. Oh, I was going to say twenty years. I don't. I actually don't remember that movie that well. It's it's schlocky. Is it really? <laughs> it's I mean, it's in, in an enjoyable way. All right, but uh, yeah, we had we had some Sharon Stone in Total Recall. Like you know, I like Sharon Stone. So I maybe. actually really liked her in Total Recall. Really like her in Casino. The specialist, and, and she's good in Basic Instinct, as as schlocky as that movie is. Like she yeah. has a great performance. Um, the specialist, as I remember, it's not a good movie. All right, I don't know hardly anything about it. James, I'll tell you now. James Woods, I think, is the best. As I remember, is the best thing about that oh, movie. Oh, James Woods is in it. James Woods and uh, Eric Roberts and Rod Steiger. <laughs> wow, that's a cast. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. Okay. I think it was ninety four. So, so yeah. So we'll get back to the action genre. It's. Um, it's a 90s action movie. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, it's time to get back to some action. If you hadn't uh, gone to an action movie, I would have picked, a, picked something action-related next because, yeah, after the kind of... Well, I mean, I guess we did have Bullet to the Head, but we need some, like, we We need some, tradi- yes, we need some traditional action, and this will get us there. All right, I'm so. looking forward to it. So, yeah. yeah, we will watch The Specialist next. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's the show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please write us a favorable review on your podcast app of choice, and don't forget to uh, tweet us at, uh, at Arms Race Podcast. Yeah, and you know, this, obviously this, the Arms Race Podcast is still pretty new. Um, you know, it's an extension of the Bad Puns and Machine Guns podcast, but you know, I think we're kind of treating it sort of as a, a new thing. So uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, you know, tell all your friends, like, you know, definitely like word of mouth is the best way for Certainly us to helps. spread yep. the word. And yeah, so if uh, you like the show, yeah, spread the word. We'd appreciate that. All right. So we'll be back with the specialist. Justin's soccer team was in last place. You suck! No wonder your parents are getting divorced. Until they dug up a new player. Ed O'Neill is Soccer Mummy. Ah! I'll be good. Go, Soccer Mummy! You taught me to believe in myself! I feel good. said not to let him get a boner.